let's go ahead and turn to our word this morning. We're going to get right into it. Uh, and in Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, we are in our series. Last week I took a break simply because we were doing our, our backpack giveaway. Uh, so I took a break. But today we're going to resume that. We have a couple more messages in this series. And this series is dealing with hot topic issues that are relevant to where we are today. Um, and, and so we wanna, we're going to dive right in. I want to pray before we get started this morning. This morning I'll be dealing with the LGBTQ and homosexuality. Uh, there's probably very few hot-button issues that rile people like this one here. And so I want to pray that we have clarity of, of thought and understanding. Uh, again, I'll, I'll talk about that here in a minute, but let's just pray together. Father, right now we come to this time where your word is to be declared. And so, Father, we pray that, Lord, unashamedly that your word will be spoken, uh, Lord, with clarity, uh, Lord, that it would be received with clarity and would be understood, that your truth is what sets people free. I pray for every design of the enemy that is, that is designed against this message and against what the content of your word says. I pray, God, that you would, uh, res Lord, we resist him in your name. And Father, we pray that you would just allow the free flow of your information and your truth. And I pray, God, that you would give receptive hearts and the order or in the intent in which it was given. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Revel uh, excuse me, Revelation. Romans chapter 1 beginning verse number 24. Very familiar passage for most people. I actually taught through the first eight chapters of, of Romans uh, on our Wednesday night teaching. It's been a couple years ago. But let's look at verse 24. It says, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Now, again, as we get back into this, this is very difficult. If you know anything about me, I love people. I love serving people. I have never discriminated against anybody. I have, I, I'm not transphobic. I'm not homophobic. I'm not, the only phobic I am is claustrophobic. And, uh, uh, and maybe Auburn phobic as we get into football season. But, 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 but beyond that, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not scared of much of anything. I don't have phobias in that regard. So, so this message, again, we've been talking about hot topics for hot times, and we've tackled some very, how many, how many have, have really paid attention? We've tackled some really relevant subjects that are very paramount to our day today. We talked about the authority of Scripture, and what does that mean? It means simply this, if I don't view God's Word as God's Word, if I don't view it as the ultimate source of what is right and wrong, then it doesn't matter what I believe on these other topics, um, and, and that's why when, early on I said that's why you have Christians today that can hold to liberal ideologies, liberal thought, and be okay with it, even though it contradicts Scripture, is because they don't see the Bible as the ultimate authority. I do. All, the Bible says, the psalmist says, forever, O Lord, your word is established. It's not being improved. It's not being added to, forever, O oh Lord, your word is established. So I believe that the word of God is established. He said what he meant, he meant what he said. Uh, from there, we talk about abortion. 
We talked about racism and uh, we talked about transgenderism. Today, again, we're going to be talking about uh, LGBTQ and homosexuality. And again, I'm just going to preface it by saying what I've said every single sermon. These messages are not based in hate and in anger. I'm not mad at anybody. I don't hate anybody. It's in my extended family, uh, some of these uh, deviant lifestyles. I, I, there, there is no angst within me whatsoever when it comes to these messages. However, as a, as a pastor, it is my responsibility to preach the whole counsel and give the clear teachings of God's Word. And so, listen to me, as, as Christians, you and I are not free to pick and choose what scriptures we want to believe and those that we don't. God's Word is not like, everybody know what a smorgasbord is? Or a buffet? That's, a, that's, that's the word I like. Paul said that. No, he said buffeted, but I say buffeted. <laughs> God's word is not like a buffet line. You know, when you go to when you go to Luby's, you walk down the line, and you got—I mean, how many ever have overload of you know sensory overload when you walk down the line at Luby's? I mean, you can get fried chicken, you can get fish, you can get ham, you can—I mean, you can get all kinds of things. And so you're there, you know, if you if your eyes are bigger, and you get to select what you want. When I was in the military, I had one of the funny stories. Uh, I was Air Force, but I was stationed. I was. a detachment to the army. So my first time going and experiencing an army chow hall, I walk in there. Now I'm used to, through my training, I was on Air Force Base, and it's like Luby's. You walk into the Air Force chow hall, and you go down the line and say, I'll take this, and I'll take this, and I'll take this, and you, you do all that, and you go sit down and eat. So I go to the same mentality. I go to the army chow hall, and I walk down the line. I say, I'll take some macaroni and cheese, and I'll take some, uh, some uh, mashed potatoes. He said, can't have it. i like, what do you mean I can't have it? You already got a starch on there. Move down the line. <laughs> that was my first experience. And uh, yeah, anyway. But you can't do that with Scripture. You can't pick and choose what you want to believe and what you don't want to believe. God's Word is the ultimate arbiter between what is right and what is wrong. And that's where we start. Again, our, our children, you have to understand, our children today are being inundated with messages that directly contradict God's Word. And, and I know as parents, it's very difficult to, how do you, how do you wade through all the stuff that our children, I, listen, it, it, it's in our TV, it's in movies, uh, I mean, it, it's everywhere you turn, our society is saturated with deviant lifestyles that run contradictory to God's Word. How do we combat that? How do we, how do we raise our children? How do we, I love a, I read a book one time, said how to raise a, how to raise a G-rated kid in an X-rated world. And that really is the question for most parents, how do we do that? Uh, again, these, our children are being inundated with these messages that run contrary to God's Word. So, so, and this is especially true when it comes to the area of sexuality. This mess, again, messages of purity are a thing of the past. We don't hear people talk about purity. Uh, you know, there was a campaign many years ago called, anybody ever heard of True Love Weights? You know, there was a campaign that, was, that circulated, the, actually it was a worldwide campaign about true love weights. Today, if someone says sex before marriage is wrong, they're looked at like something fell on their head and they got brain damage. It's also true when it comes to same-sex attraction and homosexuality. You know, there are a few hot-button issues, as I've said, that rile people like homosexuality. If you say it is a sin, you are quickly eviscerated, and then you hear the statement, but love wins. And God wants us to love. That's what matters. Or they might say something like this. Well, you Christians, that's all you talk about. That's the only sin that you, that, you, that you ever mention or deal with. Well, the thing is, that's not true. 
I'm an equal opportunity offender. Sin is sin. Doesn't matter what label it is. Amen, right? I am talking about homosexuality, but there are other sins. We recognize that, and I think we understand that. But that's an excuse. Well, you only talk about it. No, we don't. We talk about other things. Sin is, is sin. We, again, just because we may talk about it and, and maybe not talk about the others quite as much doesn't excuse the sinfulness of that sin. It's not an excuse. Again, there, there's no other sin. You think about it. There is no other sin right now on the planet that has a PR firm behind it. You think about Hollywood. You think about, uh, uh, you think about athletes. You think about the media. You think about the government. They're all pushing this, this homosexual agenda down our throats. You can't turn on the television show without seeing it. You can't watch a movie without seeing it. It's everywhere. And again, so that's why it's, it's highlighted is because it's in your face blatantly everywhere. And our kids are seeing this. Again, uh, you think back to 2015 when the Supreme Court uh, ruled that same-sex marriage was a constitutional right. I said from this pulpit that the door was going to be open and that everything that you can possibly imagine will come flooding out of the door in 2015. Guess what? We see, we're seeing that become a reality before our eyes. It has gained momentum and it is rolling over every other freedom in our society. You know, here's the thing. It's no longer enough. You think about where we are. It's no longer enough just to tolerate homosexual relationships. We are now being told to affirm and approve these relationships. Approve and affirm. Today, if you question the morality of homosexuality, you are labeled as hateful and intolerant, and then you are shamed into silence. I mean, think about how many people that were prominent uh, in, the, in the media world that were, uh, that were conservatives, people that had podcasts and people that had uh, talk shows, radio and TV talk shows that have come out on the side of biblical morality, they are no longer around. Because when you start tackling this hot-button issue, people get very militant about it, and they, they take it to you. And you are labeled as all kinds of things, shamed into silence. Now, again, here's the thing. I'm not, don't read between the lines. There's nothing there. I'm in no way condoning treating another human being ill. One of the one things that just grinds my gears as a Christian is to see other Christians standing up as though they're better than anybody else, beating them and berating them because of their sin. I, it, it just grinds me because that's not what we're called to do. Love does win, right? It does win. Again, so, so again, we're to treat our fellow man as those who have been created by God, made in his image with purpose and destiny. Again, that's who God called us to be. Again, as Christians, we should never treat another person rudely or improperly because Christ calls each of us to love love our neighbor as ourselves, and he's not speaking of geographical neighbors. He's talking about people who aren't like us. We've got to love them with the love of Christ. But with that said, however, we should never diminish what God's Word declares because it is upsetting and uncomfortable. How many ever sat in a service and heard a message that unsettled you, that made you uncomfortable? Anybody ever sat in a service like that? That's called conviction, by the way. And conviction is to elicit a response. If you have condemnation, that's not of God. Listen to me, it's not of God. The Word of God is not about condemning, it's about convicting. Convicting 
convicting leads to repentance. Repentance leads to freedom. Condemnation leads to bondage. Shame, what, he does, what the enemy does, he wants to shame us to get us to back down and to live in that guilt and that shame. But there's freedom in conviction. So just because something is unsettling and upsets us doesn't mean that uh, we shouldn't talk about it or we shouldn't address it. Listen, we live in a world that we raised a bunch of pansies, that anything that upsets their senses is to be avoided. Not so. Not so. Again, I, I can only imagine John the Baptist standing in our, in our, in our nation today thundering <laughs> uh, against what he sees in our culture today. Listen, sin is sin. I understand there are more sin. I understand that there are sins that, uh, that, 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 that we have, that we talk about. But listen, sin is an affront against God. Plain and simple. Homosexuality, adultery, fornication. It's an affront against God. It's not an excuse. And we should never make light of it because Jesus died in our place to settle the debt of sin. It should never be made fun of. And today you turn on sitcoms and they're, they're, ta- they're laughing about adulterous fair, uh, relationships. They're talking about fornication and they're making fun of it and they're jokes. That's not a laughing matter because it sent Jesus to the cross because there was no other way for salvation. Listen to me. Homosexuality is a sin for which Christ died and he wants to set people free. It is a sin that he died for and he wants to set people free. Now, again, I, I am very vulnerable right now. I know I run the risk of, of ticking some folks off, but I need to stand here and tell the truth of God's word. Our kids need to know and be grounded in God's truth. And I want to equip you to be able to have the difficult conversations with our children. Listen, the LGBTQ community has been very good at twisting scripture to fit their lifestyle. I saw a video a few months back of a man who purported to be a preacher and he had a Bible in his hand and he was talking about the story of Jesus when he went to his friend's funeral, Lazarus. We sang it. And when Jesus stands in front of that tomb and he said, roll away the stone, remember what Jesus did? He said, come out, come out. And it was in that rhema word that he spoke that the man had the ability, death had to let go of its grasp, and the man came out bound and closed. And what this guy did was he took that scripture and said, what Jesus was saying is come out of the closet. So they're very good at twisting scriptures to fit their lifestyle. Listen, if, if the Bible is God's word, and I believe it is, and if it's the ultimate authority in our lives, then what we need to do is find out what does God say about it? Because you know what? We could start over here with Danelle and go all the way around uh, over here to Terry. And everybody has an opinion, right? They're like trash cans. Everybody has one. It's not our opinion that matters. It's his word that matters. That, that's it. It's the ultimate arbiter of what is right and wrong. So we have to look at what, what does God's word say about homosexuality? Well, I mean, he has weighed in on it, by the way. In fact, in every single age... God has opposed homosexuality. He opposed it during the time of the patriarchs. He opposed it in the law of Moses. He opposed it in the prophets. And he opposed it in the New Testament. Every single age, God has stood against homosexuality. Why? Well, God condemns homosexuality because it attempts to overturn God's design for humanity. What is God's design for humanity? In the beginning, God created male and female. And then he goes on and he says, and for this cause shall a man leave his parents and cleave unto his wife 
and the two shall be one. Homosexuality seeks to overturn God's design for mankind. So he opposes it. Uh, l- listen, I, remember I said this in transgender, when I preached on transgender, your biology is a calling from God, not a social construct. I am a male because God made me a male. I love being a man. Where are my guys at? <laughs> I love being a man. Again, you know, I, I, I said it before, I can get off the phone in 30 seconds flat. I'm good. I love being a man. <laughs> If I see a man with the same outfit, we're going to become lifelong friends. I love being a man. (laughs) But you know what? To the ladies here, God called you to be a lady. Your calling, divine calling of God, is to be a female. And, And so we're going to kind of explore this. See, today mankind has corrupted the Word of God, particularly relating to sexuality, because according to John chapter 3, verse 19, men loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. And today we like darkness because our deeds are evil. So in our text, let me just get right into this real fast. I, I, I ran out of time in early service, but there's a lot of stuff. In our text this morning, Paul is writing to the Romans, and what he's doing, the context of chapter 1, is he's showing the end result of when man decides to live by man's rules. The Bible says it's not within a man to determine his path. In other words, you and I are not smart enough to lay out our own course. We don't know the beginning from the end. We, we don't know. We don't know what tomorrow holds. So the Bible says it's not, it's not within a man to determine his steps. So Paul is saying, here's what happens when a man decides man rule over God rule. And so he goes through chapter 1 talking about what happens. And if you notice, you can read this later. But Paul, in chapter 1, says God gave them over three times. God gave them over three times. See, when men suppress the truth of God as revealed in creation and continue in that rebellion, Paul said that God's wrath is revealed from heaven, verse number 18. Again, this is not a very, uh, this is not a very easy message to preach because we, in our culture today, we want to hear that if you make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior, you'll never have another bad day. You'll never have to struggle with this. That's just not true. And we don't want, we just want to hear messages about God's love and God's blessings. And we don't want to hear about the wrath of God. But Paul said, when you consistently rebel against God, suppress the truth of God, his wrath is revealed from heaven against these types of people. When God has had enough of sin and rebellion, how many parents have how many parents have looked at your children and said, I've just about had enough? Some of you did that this morning. <laughs> I just about had enough. Well, see, and again, I don't mean to imply that God is impetuous or fickle or anything like that, but there comes a point where God says, okay, I'm done. You keep insisting and insisting and insisting and insisting, and I told you over and over again, it won't, find, it won't give you the joy, it won't, it won't do what you think it will do, but you know what? I'll take my hands off. When God's had enough of sin and rebellion, he, t- he withdraws his hand, and here's what he does. He allows the consequences of our actions to come full bear. And if you haven't noticed, that hasn't gone so well. <laughs> it hasn't gone so well. So, so Paul outlines his judgment. This is what I want to talk about the rest of the service. He, he outlines God's judgment. It begins, number one, with sexual immorality. It begins there. Again, the first step away from God is sexual immorality. It's what happens when a society decides to turn away from God. Verse 24 begins with the word therefore. How many know that every time you see therefore in the Bible, you got to go back and find out what it's there for? Okay, so the therefore 
is pointing back to verses 21 through 23. And in there, he's talking about, he said, first of all, men become indifferent to the truth, and then their thinking becomes confused. And once their thinking gets off and it's confusing, then their hearts are darkened and they can no longer distinguish between right, right and wrong. They think they can live without God and they finally turn to idolatry. He said, that's the process. We start thinking, well, I, you know, it's like Eve. The Bible says she saw the fruit and said, hey, looks good. Pleasing to the sight. Had the desire to make her wise. Good for food. In her mind, she said that. God said, don't touch it. Or don't eat, a, don't eat from that tree. See, that's where the, the battle comes in right there. We see it. We think. So, so Paul picks up on that and, and, and he goes on. Idolatry moves into immorality. Verse 24 says, therefore, God gave them over. I love this version. It says, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Idolatry always leads to immorality. Once men make gods of their own making, okay, then we can rewrite the rules of human conduct. One of the Ten Commandments says, you're, well, two of them actually, don't have any other God before me and don't, uh, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, a lot of people think that means swearing. Listen, I think Christians ought to have clean mouths, okay? But, but that's not really what that means. What it means is don't misrepresent God. So when you and I create God, a God as we fashion with our hands, then we're free to write the rules of conduct. And what right, may, may be right for Justin down here is not right for, may not be right for me. I get, to, I get the freedom to choose what's right for me, and he gets the freedom to... But that's not what the Bible teaches. Forever, O oh Lord, your word has been established. It's interesting to note that sex is singled out as the first step away from God. You know why that is? It's because sex is closely related to the human spirit. It's closely related to the human spirit. The way we conduct ourselves sexually is a good barometer of what's happening on the inside of our hearts. Sexual immorality seeks to, be, to fulfill a void by any means possible. And we know it doesn't work. Immorality never satisfies because it always involves deception. Verse 25 says, they exchanged. Everybody say exchanged. They exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and they worshiped and served the cre created things instead of the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Now think about that. When people turn away from God, the Bible says they exchange. What does that mean? It means they swap. They swap God's truth for the lie. So I know what you're thinking. You say, okay, pastor, so what's the lie? Okay, well, here's the lie. The lie is that we can ignore God and still find fulfillment in life. That's the lie. The lie is that you and I can set our own course, that we can chart our own destiny, that we can make up our own rules as we go. That is the lie. We exchange God's truth for the lie. The lie is that we can break God's laws and still be happy, that we can live the good life without God. That's the lie, and that's what we do. We exchange God's truth that says it all depends on this vertical relationship for the lie that says I can be self-sustaining and self-fulfilled. And that's the lie. And haven't we bought into that in today's culture See, God allows the unchecked sexual immorality to pervade a culture as a means of showing the futility of life without him. See, that's what he's doing right there. God says, look, I'm telling you, it's not going to work. I know you think that an extramarital fling is going to help you out and you're going to find peace. I've actually heard people say that, that it stimulates my own relationship with my wife. Bonehead. 
I've heard that. That it keeps the, the spice in our marriage if there's an extra fling. And so we, we come up, we concoct all kinds of weird and bizarre things to justify our behavior. And we say, God, I, I know you said not to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And God's up there like, no, don't. I'm telling you, don't do that. Don't do that. I know the beginning from the end. I know the, I know the end result of this. Don't do that. You know, and we say, God, I'm going to do it anyway. So what does God do? God abandons. He gives way. He gives over people to sexual immorality. He lets them indulge their fantasies. He stands back while we rush headlong on this, uh, uh, off the cliff of unbridled lust to the broken, jattered rocks of disobedience. Why? Because he wants us to know in the end we're going to discover that life without him is no life at all. Hey, when I, when I was raised in church, I, I'm again, I'm third generation, but when I became a teenager, I totally rebelled against everything I, I was taught to believe and I bought into this ideology here. And so I started indulging in life's pleasures because that's what I was told I needed. You know, where, you, you know where it got me? To the bottom. To the bottom, I found out real quick that life without him is really no life at all. Broken, messed up. In a barracks in San Antonio, Texas in 1985, I said, God, if you still, if you still need me, if you still love me, if you still want me, here I am. Here I am, best decision I've ever made in my life. Listen, I understand. He wants us to get to the, he'll let us get to the bottom so that we know that we need him. The second thing is, so the first step in in God's judgment is sexual immorality. The second one is this, open homosexuality. It shouldn't surprise any of us that immorality always leads to homosexuality. By itself, listen, sex can never satisfy man. Can never satisfy man. Mankind. Mankind. In other words, feeding the flesh is never ending. How many's figured that out yet? You can't just have one piece of pie. You want more pie. Lay's bought into that years ago when they had their commercial. Anybody remember the Lay's commercial? You can't eat just one. It creates an appetite. It's an insatiable appetite. That's what sex does. Sex, again, sex can never satisfy. It never can fill the void. And so feeding the flesh, never, it's a never-ending thing. It promises more than it delivers. And so what happens is the mind conceives different perversions, pushing the limits constantly. Eventually, the desire crosses into the line of homosexuality. It's like the gateway drug. You know, they say there are certain gateway drugs, and if you succumb to those, then it only leads to something harder and harder and harder until you're a lifelong addict. That's the same thing with sexual immorality. It pushes the limits no longer do you get your satisfaction from your own husband or your own wife. Now you've got to look outside the bonds of, of, of matrimony. And then after a while, that doesn't leave. And then all of a sudden, it crosses the line into homosexuality and even worse. Because it never does. It never satisfies. And God allows this as judgment on humanity. David Wilkerson said years ago that we're living Romans 1 right now. God took his hands off and said, you know what? You've insisted on your own way since the 60s. You have told me how you are sexually free and sexually uh, uh, promiscuous. And I'm just going to let you go. Go right ahead. And we're reaping the results of that. I mean, you know that homosexuality is not a new phenomenon. It has been around for a long time. In fact, ancient, ancient Greece and Rome were hotbeds of homosexuality. Some of the most famous philosophers of the day are, were homosexuals. Many of the political leaders of Rome were, in, in fact, the first 14 of the 15 Roman uh, emperors were homosexual. 
It's just been something that's been going on for a long time. Whenever men turn away from God, terrible things begin to happen in society. All of a sudden, these long-held standards are, are discarded. Evil doesn't seem evil so uh, anymore. The basic distinctions between male and female are obliterated. No one can tell the difference between right and wrong. We say what's your right is not my right, and what's your wrong is not my wrong. And that's where we are in our culture today. We're doing that which is right in man's own sight. Here's what happens in that atmosphere. Homosexuality is first tolerated, and then it is accepted, then it is praised, and finally it's enshrined as the ultimate freedom. And we're at that place now. Every vestige of society is pushing this agenda. And our children need to, need to understand the battle that's around. Mom and dad, you don't, don't bury your head in the sand. I promise you, your children are being exposed to this doctrine more than you would even care to admit. Be on guard. Be their sentinel. Let me give you three things relating to homosexuality. Number one, homosexuality is a willful choice, not a biological imperative. I want you to think about that. I understand that we live in a broken world, okay? And I understand there are probably people that struggle with same-sex attraction because of the brokenness of our world. But it is a willful choice, not a biological imperative. God did not make us that way. That contradicts Scripture. Everything in the Bible Everything the Bible has to say about homosexuality begins with that one fact. It is a choice. It is a learned behavior. It is a chosen path, a personal lifestyle decision. Notice what Paul said. God gave them over to shameful lust. God gave them over to it. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with one another and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. It is an exchange, Paul says, a swapping of what is natural for what is not natural. Again, that's not my words. Already this morning, we had a, had a, I preached the early service, already had a message this morning that said, hey, I was looking for a church, but you people hate people. And I thought, you have no idea who this church is. Again, you run the risk when you start saying stuff like this, you run the risk, uh, again, of, of, of people jumping on that bandwagon and talking about God's love. But again, it doesn't change God's truth. It doesn't change His truth. Again, it is a willful abandonment of what is natural for that which is unnatural. Not only is homosexuality a willful choice, it is one that completely reverses the natural order of creation. Men and women must di directly suppress the way God made them to, pr to practice homosexuality. I had a young man one time ask me about it. And again, I, we've, had, we've had people that, from the homosexual community that have attended our church, many for, for, for several years, and I've loved on them and cared for them just like I would anybody else. I have no discrimination in my body whatsoever. But I've always stayed true to, the, to God's Word. I've always stayed true to it. And this young man asked me about what I thought about it. And I said, well, here's the thing. And I don't mean to, to come across crude the way it's going to sound. But I said, I'm a, I'm a heterosexual male. And I said, you know what that means? I said, it means I like women. And I said, the more women, the more I like it. And I, again, I, I know it sounds crude, but I'm just, I, was just very, I was just being very transparent with him. I said, my nature is to be with every woman that I see. That's the base nature. That's who God created. Again, that's who he created us 
as male and female. I have an attraction to female. I said, but here's the thing. When I accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, I had a new nature. And that new nature now is I'm going to live by His Word and by His rules and not my own. And that new nature says that I'm committed in a, 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 a relationship with my wife and I'm to be faithful to her, okay? And secondly, the Bible says that, that sex outside of marriage is sinful. So I said, I can't. So I have to die daily to the natural desire to be with women. I said, if you have a same-sex attraction, then the same power that enables me to suppress and crucify the natural tendency to be with every woman is the same power that will cause you to be able to suppress the nature, the natural, your natural drawing to same sex. It's no different. If you call yourself a Christian, you live by his standard, not your standard. Again, uh, we have to suppress, in order to live this lifestyle you, lifestyle, you have to suppress the truth of God. Homosexuality is a terrible sin. Degrading, indecent, perverted, evil, and wrong. Anybody who argues otherwise is either ignorant of what the Bible teaches or they perverted its teachings. Widespread, so, number two, widespread homosexuality is a specific sign of a godless society. This is undoubtedly Paul's main point in our context this morning. As a society moves away from God, again, you see sexual immorality that crosses into homosexuality. Again, that's what you see when we move away from God. Guess where America is today? We have moved away from God. The tragic fact is, is that's where we are today. And I don't say it as a veteran and a patriot. I hate to see where our country is right now. I hate to see the things that we're, that we're tolerating today and allowing today and promoting today and celebrating today. It bothers me. It bothers me that if you hold to Judeo-Christian values and, and you hold to biblical morality, you are shamed. I remember not long ago, there was a major league baseball player that uh, during Pride Month, I guess, whatever Pride Month is, there was a, a baseball player that their, 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 uh, their club was going to wear a particular uniform to celebrate gay pride. And he said, I, I'm not going to wear that. He said, I can't. My, my Christian conviction does not allow me to support for this. He was vilified in, tremendously. Everybody came out of the woodwork eviscerating this guy because he stood on his biblical values. And I thought, you know what? I wonder if we could start a, a Jesus month, a Celebrate Jesus month, and have all the baseball players and football players wear a cross, sing Amazing Grace at the ball games. I wonder if we would, could tolerate that. Probably not. Again, the, the tragic fact is, is that we, we're there on every front. On every front, we're being told that homosexuality is good, it is right, and it is normal. And those who oppose it are called homophobic. Listen, and for too long, our churches have been silent. We've not equipped one of the things that Paul said that ministry is to do is to equip, equip saints for the work of ministry. One of the things that we've not done is equip people to, to do the works of the ministry. One of those things is to stand and shine in darkness. We've held our peace with these issues. while the mili and, and there's been a militant side. Not everybody, I don't mean that to imply that. But there's a militant faction within the LGBT community that have taken the battle to the streets. They will get in your face. They will picket you. They will march around your house. They'll do all this kind of stuff. And they're winning city after city after city after city. Listen, we have to speak God's truth in love and teach our children his truth regarding sexuality. Again, this, this is why I'm preaching this message. It is a call to parents and grandparents 
to teach a biblical purity to your children and your grandchildren and to model that and to be able to explain to them when you, they see these types of things. Romans 1 is coming true right before our very eyes. America is under the judgment of God because we have turned away from God and, and we see it because of the homosexuality. We've said, you know what? We want to be free. We want to be open. We want to be tolerant and diverse. And God says, you know what? Then go right ahead. Go right ahead. But here's the thing. You can be free to do whatever you want to do, but you'll have to face the consequences of your own decisions. See, that's the thing. We're free to choose, but we're also free to bear the responsibility of the choices. See, I am a product of where I am today, not because of somebody else. I can't blame society. I can't blame. It's my choice. I am here today by, by a correlation of the choices that I've made that have led me to this point. That's just the truth. God says, you can have it. You can be free to do all of that stuff, but you're not going to be free from the consequences. In fact, that's how Paul, guys, come on back as I wrap this up. That's why Paul said in verse 27, he said that homosexuality received in themselves, notice what he said in verse 27, the due, penalty, the due penalty of their perversion. It is a self-punishing sin. What I mean, think about this. One of the highest rates of suicide in our nation today is in people who struggle with transgenderism, LGBTQ uh, leanings. It is a self-punishing sin. And it's not, and it would be easy for, and the media loves to jump on this, and they love to blame and say, well, well it's the Christians that are condemning them. No, there, listen, there are some knotheads that take the word of God. And, they, and in fact, there's, a, there's an internet preacher that made a lot of, uh, that's made a lot of noise getting, yelling and calling uh, the homosexual community, all kinds of names. Listen, I don't think Jesus is pleased with that nonsense. Not at all. Don't bring it here. It's not what we're here to do. Stuart Briscoe said this. He said, when sexuality is misunderstood, the sheer power of unrestrained sexual drive and uneducated sexual insight will produce, notice what he said, will produce all manner of aberrant sexual behavior. He goes on. He says, in short, confusion about God breeds confusion about man, which breeds confusion about sexuality, which produces sexual confusion and chaos. He goes on, far from being what was fondly imagined by many, an enlightened age of sexual freedom, Paul showed his contemporaries that they lived in a dark day of divine wrath. That is the day in which you and I live right now. It's our world. We're living in a dark day of divine wrath. What you see unfold on the news every night, it is God's wrath that has been un unleashed because he took his hands off. Here's the third thing, and I want to close with this. This message, I know if you're watching and if, or you, you're sitting here, listen, it's in my family, my extended family. So, I, so I, again, I don't have a bone to pick with anybody. I don't hate anybody. I just soon have a whole section of people that coming out of that lifestyle. Would to God that that would be so. Because to experience the freedom in Christ that sets us free and gives us a new nature. <clears throat> but here's the thing. If you're listening to this so far, you're thinking, man, boy, you're coming down heavy on this stuff. But here's the third thing. Homosexuality is a sin. But listen, it is a sin that can be forgiven. It is a sin that can be forgiven. Paul spells it out in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. He said, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he goes on and he lists. And, and it's interesting because you've got to understand, there are some people that that's all they pick on 
is homosexuality. But if you go to, if you go to that chapter, okay, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6, verses 9 through 11, he doesn't just talk about, it's one among many. He talks about fornicators. He talks about liars. He talks about adulterers. He talks about cheats. He talks about uh, disobedient. He, again, he's naming names. He said, do you not know that these people will not inherit the kingdom of God? That means they're not going to heaven. But then Paul doesn't stop there. Those who persist in those lifestyles will end up going to hell. You can't be a practicing homosexual and go to heaven. You can sing Amazing Grace a million times, but if you're practicing, you cannot. That's what the Bible says. But here's the thing, they don't have to end up that way. Because here's what Paul said, such were some of you. That's a powerful statement right there. Meaning, in our context today, some were homosexuals. They were homosexuals. The tense of the verb is very crucial. Were and are. It's different. The entire difference between heaven and hell is found in the difference between were and are. What happened to them? What happened to them? They were washed in the blood of Jesus. Amen? They were justified by the grace of God. They were sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Every one of We once were lost, but now we're found. We were, but we are. I was a sinner. I was a reprobate. That's what I was, but I am a child of God. I am now saved and blood-bought, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, name written in the Lamb's book of life, looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ, the blessed hope of the church. That's what Paul said. You were like this. You were in your sin. You were homosexuals, but you have been changed. Washed in the blood of Jesus, justified through God and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. See, that's what the gospel, that's the message that we have. Our message is not to get up here and and, and lament or or beat uh, people over the head with how nasty and how rude and how sinful they are. That's not the gospel. The gospel is, yes, you were a sinner, but you can be a child of God. You can be set free from that. See, that's what the gospel can do. It can take a man or a woman who is mired in homosexuality. It can forgive them, change them, redirect their lives, give them a new heart, a new mind, and a new destiny. And that's the message the church needs to proclaim. That's the hope. It's not more laws. It's not new elected officials. It's the gospel that reaches into the sinful heart of man. Every one of us needed that one day where we found ourselves a sinner knowing that we needed a Savior and He reached down into the darkness of our soul and He arrested us and He rescued us and He gave us a new nature and He put us on the right path. Listen, He can do that for anybody. I want you to stand with me as I close. Here's what happens though, and my prayer is that God help us to see the light and not change and, and to change because verse 32 gives us the end result of what happens when a society insists on rebellion after rebellion after rebellion here's what he says although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death they not only listen to what he said they not only co- to, they not only continue to do these things but they approve of those who do them in other words, when you get to that point, your conscience has been seared with a hot iron. You are no longer able to distinguish between what is right and what is wrong. And God help us, we're moving very, very rapidly. If we're not already there, as a nation, we're moving very, very quickly to that end result. 
My prayer, listen, I love you with every fiber of my being. I love this body, this church, my family. I would be derelict in my duty if I didn't preach the truth. I would be derelict in my duty. Again, it's not bathed in hate. It's bathed in love. You've got children and you have grandchildren that are growing up in a world that's been perverted. Listen, I, I believe you know where darkness abounds, grace did much more abound. You need to have conversations with your children and your grandchildren. You need to be able to speak the truth, be anchored in it, be, be knowledgeable about what the Bible teaches. Basically, we live in a broken world and God's creation has been broken, it's been upset, turned upside down. Natural has become unnatural. And that's where we see in society. And our job when we're born again is we set back on, the, on His way, not our way. And the only prayer you can pray, listen, if it's in your family, if you have family members that are struggling with this, maybe acquaintances, let me, let me give you this suggestion. The answer is not to sit there and try to beat and break them. That's not the answer. The answer is simply this. Pray that God would open the eyes of their understanding that they might see His truth and be enlightened. Because the Bible says that the things of God are spiritually discerned. If they have no spirit within them, if their spirit's still dead in sin, they can't understand God's truth. So you pray for that loved one by name. God, I'm praying for Sally. I'm praying for John. They're, they're mired in this world. They bought into the lie that they can be, they can be fulfilled without you. I'm asking you to open the eyes of their understanding so they can know your truth and be set free. And then what Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall do what? Set you free. Won't you bow with me this morning? I know this is a tough message and how do you, how do, you do an altar call after a message like this? Listen, there are two things I want to do right now. Number one is this. Maybe you're here today and I'm going to throw the maybe in there. Maybe, you, maybe you're here today and you struggle with the same sex attraction. Again, it wouldn't be abnormal because we live in a broken world and those things happen. But you've heard the truth today. You've heard enough to save you and you've heard enough to condemn you. It's your choice. So I want to give an opportunity for us to pray with you that God would help you in your struggle. But here's the second part of that. I still just one. That's the second part of that is maybe you have somebody in your family or somebody you love and that's close to you that's struggling with this lifestyle. You say, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm praying for their salvation. I'm praying. I, I want us to pray with you together. So I want to ask you in a moment to come down and stand in their stead as we pray with you for them. And the second thing is this. If you're here today and you need prayer for anything, maybe you've gone to the doctor this week and you've got a bad report. Maybe you've got a financial crisis. Maybe there's a relationship thing going on. Listen, I love you. And I want to see God's best for you. So as we sing this morning, would you come? Would you, let, would you let us pray with you, stand with you in agreement? Listen, the arm of the Lord is not short that he cannot reach, and his ears not deaf that he cannot hear. God wins. Go ahead and sing. As they sing, won't you come? Let us pray. This is the house of worship. This is a place of praise Where every demon trembles Where we proclaim your name 
listen, I still believe. I still believe in miracles. I still believe that God's arm is not short that he can't reach. I know these are going to continue praying this morning. We have backpacks and stuff to give away, but listen, I, 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 my prayer is that you've received this message in the heart in which it was given. Not one of hate, not one of anger, one of obedience to God. But here's the thing, church, we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. Shine Jesus wherever you go. We live in a broken, fallen world. People are struggling with all kinds of brokenness that manifest in many different ways. Our job is not to judge and condemn. Our job is to speak truth and shine His light that brings change. Father, I love you today and I thank you so much. I thank you for your truth that sets men free. Lord, this is a message that Lord, the enemy doesn't want to hear, want people to hear because there's freedom in this message. Lord, I pray for our loved ones here today that have family, friends, extended family, friends that are struggling with this type of brokenness. We pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened so that they can find your truth and live your truth. I ask you to go with us today. May we walk out firmly anchored in the truth of who you are. And Father, I pray for the families that receive backpacks today. Lord, those children, as they go off to school, protect their hearts and their minds. Let them flourish, Lord, in their academics, and let them shine brightly with the radiance of Christ. Give us this great week, Lord. Put people in our pathway that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you for all that you do. We love you. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. amen. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you, and I love you very much. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. We 
Jesus, this is a house of miracles. 